We are starting with Acts 14 here, um, which is like a halfway point. One thing I have noticed, too, besides all the little Merry Christmas, more Merry Christmas stuff out there, is a lot of help wanted. We're hiring. I mean, it's all over the place, isn't it? I mean, it's every, everyone is hiring. They're looking for people to come to work. Some places are cutting down on their hours because they don't have enough staff. Some people aren't even open and dining because they don't have enough staff to staff something. Hospitals, whatever, there's just not enough workers out there. Help wanted, help wanted. For Christians, we are always working. We never take a break. We don't draw on disability. We don't even really have too many sick days there. It's, we are a constant messengers, ambassadors, witnesses to Christ in everything that we do, every waking moment, every minute of the day, we are witnesses for Christ because that's who we are. His light lives in us. And that's what Acts is all about. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, not just Monday through Friday, not just 9 to 5, but it is an everyday 24-7 that we do. We are working. We are working. The acts of the apostle are their acts. It's about all the work that they're doing. We should have acts of BCBC or acts of, you know, Dina and acts of Molly, you know. It's like kind of these are the things that we're doing to be witnesses as we're witnesses for Christ. This chapter 14 isn't a happy chapter, but we're going to make it happy What it's doing is it's showing us a pattern. When we're witnessing for Christ, expect this pattern. And here it is. Preach or be a witness, be a light. Even our ambiance, who we are, is a, we have the word of God in us. So there's preaching, then there's division, then there's persecution, and then we have growth. And you need to expect all of these things. Preaching, division, persecution, and growth. And we're going to look at how it comes out here in Acts 14. Um, This is the conclusion of Paul's first missionary journey. Okay? Had a couple of them there. And this is the conclusion of his first one. And it's like the tale of three cities. Okay? We have Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe that he's going to be visiting with these things. And as we look through that, I want to point out the pattern that we see in all this stuff. Verse 1. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke. That's the preaching, right? In such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. That's the growth, right? So they're there preaching in such a way, delivering the word of God. I mean, the word of God is powerful. And they were speaking, and they were breaking it open, and and they were in the synagogue, so they were dealing with a Jewish population that knew the Old Testament. So when the light of the truth of the word comes into a dark place, things begin to grow. You take a plant... Somebody tells me they, these aren't real. They're kind of surprising. They look pretty good, don't they? Somebody told me that if I take my poinsettias and put them in a closet during the... So, doesn't work. Does it work? now? <laughs> I mean, for somebody else, they might work. But when you put something in a dark area, they're really not going to grow. But when you bring the light into something, 
That light is life, and, and it's got the, all the energy, the stuff that it needs to make, you know, things grow. So when the word of God comes into a dark place, and Iconium was a very dark pagan city, things grow. Hearts are warmed. It brings forth fruit. So we're seeing growth because there's preaching going on there. All right. But also, what's our pattern? Preaching, division, persecution, growth. So it doesn't necessarily come in that order, but those are the four things we're going to see. We look in verse 2. They're there preaching. People are believing. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poison their minds against the brothers. So that's going to be the division coming in, right? You've got it divided now. You've got them coming in, very hateful. Um, John three nineteen says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people lived in the, loved the darkness rather than the light because of their works were evil. So you bring the light in, there's going to be growth for some people, but for other people, it's going to be a horrid ew, thing. They're going to run from it. They're going to, you know, rats are going to jump shift, ship, but they're going to start to push back on that because they don't like the light. They're going to push against the light. And Jesus had warned um, the disciples, had taught them, I should say, that many would reject the preaching of his word. Some would believe. If we look at the parable in... Um, Matthew 13, with the fields, the sower, there are actually four fields, right? Or four different types of soil. You've got the rocky soil, you've got the thorny soil, you've got the not-so-good soil, the choking out, that's the thorny, and then you've got the good soil. So there's four different types of soil, and only one type of soil actually produced some fruit. The odds aren't really good when you go and preach the word or be a witness, are they? One in four? So the odds are really against us. That's why we have to realize that there's going to be, pers- there's going to be division, there's going to be persecution. Not everyone we, we, we run into, we share the word with, we encounter is really going to buy into who we are. So know that. Um, maybe even some of those who believed here in um, In Iconium, maybe they fell away later. We don't know. But there becomes a deliberate tension, and the battle lines begin to be drawn. Okay? So we're preaching the word. We're there. We we are bringing the light into a dark area, sometimes in a group of friends, sometimes a new uh, club or, or something that you're participating in that's not Christian. You're there, and it's like, ooh, these people, they really don't like me very much or something. There's going to be that pushback a little bit. So, but remember the strategy. Ephesians 6, 12. Where we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't go in there and physically manhandle these people, do we? I want you to believe the word of God, and if I win this wrestling match, then you're going to believe, right? Our battle isn't against that kind of thing. Our battle is against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places that have taken over. And they're therefore put on the whole armor of God. And it goes down and it lists the different pieces of the armor. And they're all pretty much defensive pieces 
made to stand because several times in there it says to stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. Don't compromise. The one piece of armor that's offensive is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. What is the word of God? Words, logic, truth, right? That's what we battle with. And so if we go to 2 Corinthians 10.5, we see that we destroy, I love that, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That is the battle. It's in knowledge. It's in understanding the word. And if this is the only weapon we have, we've got to know this. And getting into this also grows us. This grows up. I just wish there were more women that would take advantage of this Bible study and get into this word. Because we need to be well equipped. We need to know how to take on those different arguments and stuff like that. Because that's what it's in. It's all about the things that go on in our mind. It's the renewing of our mind. The thoughts that get in there, that Satan kind of nee, 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 nee. Molly, you don't need to go there. It's easy to do. This is the battleground. Okay? So it's the arguments and stuff. So they have preaching, and we start to have the division now. And they come in into um, Iconium. These hateful Jews are there. And they start to stir the Gentiles and poison their minds. They start to use illogic. They start to be deceitful. They start to get in there. And the one thing about poison is it takes a long time to chip away at something, doesn't it? People aren't very bright unless they choose to be a critical thinker. But they are easily persuaded. We're referred to as sheep. And it's like, oh, let's go over there. Like they're, they're, the, the flock is moving. Why? I don't know. Let's just move with them. You know, they're stupid. <laughs> um, so here they come in, and they start to poison the minds of them. And so in verse 3 it says, So Paul and Barnabas, they remained there for a long time. They remained there while this poison was dripping in. They remained there for a long time. And what did they do? Speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Okay, so here it is. They're in there and this poison is dripping, but they're staying there a long time to combat this poison that's being dripped in there. Preaching, preaching first. They preached first, and then they granted there were signs and wonders. Remember, the signs are there for them to wonder and say, whoa, those guys did that? Maybe they really are true messengers of the one true God. Maybe, maybe what they're saying does have some clout. This, this, you know, so those are always there. They don't come in first. They don't come into town with a magic show or live entertainment to catch everyone's opinion, they come in with the word of God. And then any signs and wonders after that are to just reinforce or to validate who they are. So the miracles are there to prove that the apostles were God's true messengers. And we have the division. Verse 4. But the people of the city were divided. We have the preaching, we have the division. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles, okay? Verse 5. 
And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, there's your persecution. It's going to happen every time. We might not get stoned, but we're going to get slandered. We're going to have something happen. Someone's going to stir that pot because we are representing Jesus Christ. Just learn to get used to it. It's becoming more obvious. Just, just, there was something. I don't, I didn't take the time to check it out. Health officials someplace, I don't know, I didn't check out this state, are now declaring that the Christian belief is, is unhealthy. Now, I didn't take the time to open that one up, but I <laughs> hate speech, okay? So we're going to start seeing more and more of that stuff. So they get persecuted. They learned of this mistreat, and they learned about the plot to stone them, so they fled to Lystra and Derby, cities in Lyconium, and to the surrounding country. And what did they do? They continued to preach the gospel. They didn't say, oh, this is too dangerous for us. Oh, that was close. We almost got stoned. We need to maybe just back off here, and I don't know about this preaching, this Jesus stuff. He might have to find another way to do that or whatever, you know. They didn't. And we have got to learn from that to continue to just keep going. And they kept going. They pressed on. They persevered. The enemy pushes to physical assault, but notice they didn't push back with physical assault, did they? They moved on. They persevered. They carried on. We've got to remember that the works of the saints called to be his witnesses. We are not, ding, 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 newsreel, we are not called to a life of health and wealth and luxury. It's not supposed to be a cakewalk once Jesus comes into our life. We can gain an inner peace, right? But we are still his ambassadors in a foreign land, and sometimes that foreign land can be very hostile. We are called to bring his light into a dark world. Who's in charge of the dark world? Satan. Does he want us there? No. Is there going to be pushback? Yes. Who's the winner? Who wins this game? Yeah. That's the cool thing, all right? So the Holy Spirit equips us. He gives us the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses in out, in out the whole world. He's told us ahead of time. He has prepared us with his word. There's no mystery here. Count of pure joy, my brother, and when you encounter trials and tribulations of many kind, James talks about, because this is what we need to learn to expect. Now, we're not going to purposely make that stuff happen, but just know that it will happen. So we work. That is work, and we carry on. So Paul and Barnabas continue to carry on in verse 6 and 7. We see that they went to... um, into left um, Iconium and went to Lystra, and there they find a man who could not walk. And I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but in this next section there in Lystra, uh, in Lystra, they come across a different problem, a different attack. Notice Paul is preaching first. He's preaching first, and then there's the miracle, the man being able to be healed, and then there's growth from that. People are amazed at this. 
And apparently they were speaking in their native tongue, and Paul and Barnabas didn't quite know what they were up to until it became very apparent that they are putting Paul and Barnabas on this pedestal and worshiping them and just making sacrifices to them and just honoring them like gods. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Paul and Barnabas don't run away. They run into the crowd, preaching to these people, using words, preaching against the the logic. Remember, it's arguments that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. These people believe that Zeus and whoever were gods or whatever. So they went in there with the sword of the spirit to ixnay the argument that they were having, talking about God being created. These people didn't know Old Testament. So we had to meet them where they're at. And meeting someone where they're at, we talked about last week, isn't necessarily going to where their proximity is. Yes, we do do that. But it also includes meeting them where they're at at their knowledge base, too. What their understanding is, where they're coming from. Now, we don't have to get in there and be a, 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 an expert on all the different religions out there, anything like that. I'm not, that's, we don't need to do that. But you need to know this well enough when you hear the counterfeit that's what the bankers show you they don't show you every counterfeit dollar bill but they show you they make you study the the real deal so you can see where the air is and they used their words to talk to these people to speak to the to preach to these people so this new kind of trouble is what pride pride whoa they like us. That's pretty cool. Hey, do you see the stuff they're bringing to us? This is kind of, we, we were just stoned in the last town. This is kind of cool that they're, you know, they're, gonna, they're like giving us money and everything like this here, right? This is a bad temptation to have because a lot of people fall into that trap of that. This was new for them. They hadn't experienced that before. The pride of temptation, the, the temptation of pride was at their doorstep. This is a form of persecution because of this. God does not tempt, does he? So where is this coming from? Satan. It's a different form of persecution. Put those things in there. Pride and knock it down. To be humble, to continue to realize who we are and our place and who God is and who who each other are as, as saints. We need to keep that important. Things can come into our fellowship. Things can come into our own thinking that can really make us fall. And next week, well, next week, next year, (laughs) we'll look at another problem that they have in the ranks. But this was a personal temptation of persecution of pride and and just being fame and everything else, everything that the world has to offer and stuff. Jesus was tempted in that way, and he blew it off. We need to do that too. Okay, how does it go with these guys, all right? Paul and Barnabas, they grow from this experience because they didn't hang around, and they didn't say, yeah, I'll go live in Zeus's temple. That's cool for me. They didn't do that, right? They didn't have their big mansion with all the money that they're making from their books and blah, 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 blah. I don't want to be, scratch that last thing. (laughs) there's something to be said about poor missionaries or just kind of living at your means kind of a little bit but anyways they didn't buy into the 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 wealth that can come from preaching the word of god all right um they said we need to get out of here we're not going to take god's glory 
Remember what happened to that king that took God's glory? The worms got ate him away on the inside, you know? So, good thing to remember there. All right. So, I'm going to drop down then to 19. So, they're in there trying to reason with these people. And then the Jews come from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, where we got, we got the division again, right? Coming in saying, no, these guys are, you know, whatever's going on and trying, whatever they're telling the people to persuade. Again, it's words, it's knowledge, it's understanding, it's logic, it's opinions. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. So he really got persecuted this time. Um, left for dead. And they probably, from what it says there, stoned him pretty bad that they actually thought he was dead and walked away. Even though it doesn't exactly say this in verse 20, I'm going to add it in there. But God. <laughs> but God brought a sign and a wonder and raised, I think, raised him from the dead. And when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city on the next day. And he went on with Barnabas to Derby. He rose up and he went on for crying out loud. <laughs> if you were stoned, you'd have a lot of bruises. You'd have a lot of cuts. And scra- I mean, how can you not be knocked in the head? And he carries on. Now, either there's a miraculous healing there or or God is giving him the power, the strength, the ability to move on. But this is a miracle. He's continuing on and he goes to Derby. Now, whoever witnessed that, I'm sure there was growth from all that, right? He gets to Derby then. And when they had, what do they do there in verse 21? Preach the word, preach the word to that city and had made many disciples. So there's a lot of growth going on there too, all right? In Derby, and that's all that he does in Derby. That's all Luke really reports about in Derby. And I believe that Luke left it short and sweet and didn't get into a persecution or the division that happened because probably these Jews followed him to Derby also. Um, Luke just wants us to see that he preached the gospel and made many disciples. Because ultimately, that's what it's about. That's what we have to really think about. We're doing it because of that. Okay? The other stuff's going to happen, but we persevere through that stuff. Luke is letting us know the emphasis is is the results of being a witness to Christ and how some will come to believe. This church at Derby is not there today. It's gone. Just like a lot of ancient cities are are in ruins now, um, uh, swept over through history, through time, just has just kind of worn it away and, and turned it into ancient ruins now. But in Paul's day, the church at Derby was a very great church for that time. Okay? So even though physical things, you know will fall away. It's the word of God. It's the truth that will stand forever and endure, okay? The things that we do in life that matters, that are timeless, are the things we do for Christ. That kind of work. 
Not what kind of degrees we got, not how much money we made, that stuff, not the things we build or make or accomplish in that terms. They get, they go by their wayside. But it's the things we do for Christ, it's that work, is that withstands time, that has value to it. All right, this is Paul's first missionary journey. And now we're on the round trip back home. He's coming around back home. Because missionaries, you send them out from a base church. And Antioch was the base church that was there. They prayed for him. They sent him off and everything. And so now he's coming full circle, and he's going to return back to Antioch. And in the process, he goes back and visits some of these churches, and he's strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So there's, there it is again. He's going to tell them. He's going to encourage them. He's going to build them up. He's going to strengthen These are pagan churches um, that were, the, the, the news of the gospel was just, that was like, whoa, where'd this come from? But God's spirit opened up their eyes and, and broke through the deception that was there. And he was teaching them about the tribulations that are going to be happening there. He also organized the church. They appointed elders through prayer and fasting. He role modeled how to do that. Now, I don't know how elderly these elders were, because this was a pretty new church, wasn't it? But the grace of God was probably very powerful there in helping all of this stuff. They had planted these churches, and now they're coming back through to encourage them and to strengthen them, and they head on back down in verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fact, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And then they passed through Poseidia and came to Pamphylium, and when they had spoken the word in Perga, preaching again, preaching again, wherever place they stopped, um, they went down to Attilia, and from there, they sailed to Antioch, back to their home base, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. They had been commissioned for this work, had to be sent out through prayer and fasting. The Holy Spirit pulled them out of that group from that church and sent them on their way and said, I have work for them to do. And now they've come full circle. They have accomplished that work. Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't we want to hear that? The work that was laid out for them, they had completed it. They came home reporting the task is done. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, the Antioch church, they declared all that God had done with them. Not what we'd done, not what they had done. It wasn't a big me thing. It was, this is what God had done with us. We are attached to that. We don't want to be so humble like, oh, I had nothing. I had nothing to do with it. it you know, God did the whole thing. That's kind of like a sickening humility, isn't it? Yeah, I was so privileged, so, so incredibly honored to have God use me in that way. And this is what God did. So they went back and declared all that God had done with them and how he had, what had they done? The biggest thing they'd done in verse 27, opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. That is cool. That is very cool. They opened a door of faith 
to the Gentiles. Wow. What a marvelous thing that is. You know, Scripture says that we have work assigned for us to do also. We are commissioned to do it, and we need to complete it. Um, We need to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, And we have to know that there's going to be many hardships, many divisions, many persecutions that are going to be along the way, but we do not give up. We persevere. The victory isn't given to the person who starts the work. The victory is given to the one who accomplishes it at the end. And their victory on this first missionary journey was the door to the Gentiles. The door of faith was opened to the Gentiles. Wow, what a thing to have accomplished. So, I don't know about you guys, but when I became a believer, I don't even know if I really know what to expect or anything. But it was in a youth group setting. I mean, it was church and youth group, and everything's kind of fun, 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 fun. Everybody's happy, 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 happy. Because it's a little close-knit church thing, you hang around church friends and everything. But you know what? You step outside from that and go to school and, and let them know that you're a Christian at school or whatever. And we have to remember this with our kids and our grandkids. You know, when they step outside that little Christian bubble, they get persecuted too. Um, so to, to educate them, to help them, to encourage them, to pray for them, to, to just really let them know, oh, you don't have to go there anymore, you don't have to do this, but to say, it's okay. Let's pray for that person. You teach a kid how to pray for someone that's bullying them at school or any place like that. It's, it empowers that little kid because he sees the strength of God in the situation and helps them to learn to trust in God. So let's end in a prayer, God. We thank you so much that you, you equip us. You call us and you equip us. We just ask that we can be found um, favorable that we will be found worthy of, of representing you and not back down, that we will not retreat, no regrets and no retreats, God, but that you will continue to empower us for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.